This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello, and welcome back to a Thursday edition of the Chase Thomas Podcast. I am the aforementioned Chase Thomas, and I'm joined by Tom West of Liberty Ballers across the pond, as they say, Tom. Good evening, sir. How are you? I'm doing good. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me back on. I'm uh, happy you can make it, man. Um, a lot of lot more Sixer stuff came out this week, and I... Like I, I obviously did not see the Daryl Morey to Philadelphia thing coming, and I don't suspect that really anybody else did as well. Because it seemed like once he left Houston, a lot of the pieces I was reading was like a, a just kind of a, uh, a, they were written under the assumption that like it was a swan song where that is the end of Daryl Morey in the NBA, and he is going to go do different things now. Go work in business. Go do the Sam Hinky thing. Disappear. Billy Bean. Leave the industry. Go do something else. And then he just pops back up in the most powerful position now within the Philadelphia 76ers. Um, when you first saw the news break, uh, what was your, your first reaction? Yeah, I think similar. I was just surprised, really. I mean, he's he's been someone the Sixers have been interested in before. Um I think the front office and the ownership are quite big fans of Maury and that's been the case for some time. And I'm sure they would have wanted to get, you know, bring him on board once he left the Rockets. Um, Adrian Wojnarowski reported that, you know, that their talks with him started pretty soon after he left the Rockets. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just a huge deal. Like as soon as the news broke, like Sixers fans were just sort of going crazy celebrating um, because it's basically, you know, what the front office has needed. Um, kind of everyone's just sort of been waiting to see what changes will come all off season. You know, Elton Brand after the season said that he'd be evaluating the organisation top to bottom, and the front office, you know, would need some changes, and they had to make some improvements. And nothing happened for ages, really. They made a couple of hires recently, with um, Peter Dinwiddie being the sort of main guy brought in to be their senior vice president of basketball operations, and he's a good hire. But they didn't exactly overhaul things like I think a lot of fans were hoping for. And Daryl Morey was kind of the dream hire um, to actually give them, you know, real direction and a great guy in charge. So for it to happen, you know, sort of out of the blue like that was uh, was very surprising. <laughs> it is weird because my first thought was, I don't did did Elton Brand hire his replacement, and he's okay just not being the final decision maker now. Was that part of the deal from ownership of like? You can stay on and restructure this front office, but ultimately we're going to hire someone who has a more powerful voice in our organization than you. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I think the Sixers are a unique team in that their power structure has always been quite unclear, and that's been one of the problems. So 
Elton Brand is obviously an important figure and he has a clear role and he has say. He took on more responsibility this off season. You know, like he's been in front of their he's been in charge of their front office changes. He led the head coaching search to bring on Doc Rivers. Um so he's kind of he has sort of taken on more responsibility before this. Um, but it's still been unclear over the last couple of years exactly how much say he's had in trades. It's the you know, their collaborative approach has been kind of <laughs> what's been going on, but it's also been the problem. Um and I don't know whether going forward maybe this makes it more likely that brand brand's future and Philly might not be, you know, go on as long. Um it wouldn't be surprising maybe if he, you know, maybe takes up a GM job somewhere else in a couple of years or something like that. I'm not sure. But there's always been this kind of mixed approach without Brand necessarily just calling the shots himself. So I think for Maury to come in and lead basketball operations, yeah, it's a bit of a knock to Brand's responsibility maybe, but it's also not like he was had total control beforehand and you know, bringing in Maury is definitely the best move for the Sixers. So I think it's a, a massive win for the franchise overall. It's interesting how we immediately want to say winners and losers for stuff like this. Um, I'm more suspect about everything right now with Philadelphia. Um, there was a lot of turmoil there this season. They're still like, I still have questions about Harris and this ownership group. I still have questions about um, just the too many cooks in the kitchen question where I, I don't know, like they hired doc before, like we we've read about the dinner that doc and Daryl Morey reportedly had um, to discuss the future of the team, which is good, but that's a dinner. That is a, a one-time <laughs> thing. We don't know what the relationship looks like in February. Um, it, it seems like they did things out of order in the hiring process and restructuring your organization. Yeah. They they made weird decisions at weird times. It's interesting, but I'm not going to go ahead and say that Doc Rivers, Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, uh, the guy from the Pacers, uh, Elton Brand, Josh Harris, and Doc Rivers are all going to work harmoniously in that this means the Sixers are back. This means good things for the Sixers in the future. I don't know because I I just it's a lot. It's just a lot of change and change in weird um motions and I I don't know. I guess I'm still a little bit more um curious than I am certain this is just like a win. And I think it's cool to see Sixers fans love this the way they did and I miss the hinky era Sixers fans and just the reactions <laughs> and just how interesting that really was as a whole, but I I don't believe in Josh Harris as an owner. I just don't. And look at the Devils, folks. If you want to know about where um, this can go, it can go uh, a bad direction the other way. Um, I don't know. I we, we talk all the time about how important ultimately good ownership is in professional sports and how overlooked it is and oftentimes. And part of me just thinks that he is weirdly getting a pass and this ownership group is weirdly getting a pass and that people who were destroying Tillman Fertitta for good reason um, are just like, yeah, Daryl Morey and Josh Harris. It's great. Like it's, it's going to go great. And I'm like, I, we know a lot about the Harris situation at this point. And if you're a Sixers fan, do you really love him as your owner? And if you don't, then why are you so certain that he is going to lead this ship and lead all of these different voices and lead all these different cast of characters into a right sustainable direction? Is that a fair critique? Yeah, and I mean, Josh Harris is not 
popular among Sixers fans at all um, for many reasons, one of which is that he's been too involved at times. And I think one of the main reasons to feel positive now, besides the fact that Daryl Morey is a great executive to bring on board, is that he is someone that the Sixers have kind of coveted in the past. And I think if you view it as the Sixers and Josh Harris kind of got their guy, they got the big front office executive that they wanted and that they believe can steer their franchise in the right direction. I think you can probably feel more confident that Josh Harris will kind of step back and let his new guy lead the way. Um, I don't think Maury would have taken the job if he wasn't, you know, given the assurance that he would be in charge and leading the basketball operations and he wouldn't be, you know, dealing with the sort of collaborative, too many uh, cooks in the kitchen type approach with people trying to influence his moves and his, you know, final decision on stuff. Um, So I think that's good. And I just think, yeah, I mean, we'll see what happens. The ownership group is still not going to be popular with Sixers fans. That's not going to change until Josh Harris sells the team. But I think they will have only bought on Maury because he will have a clear direction in mind for the team. He knows he's in charge of basketball operations and he's, you know, proven to be great at his job before. I think you can kind of hope that Josh Harris and others will kind of step back, let Maury lead the way. And that should, you know, start turning things around. But there's still so many problems with the team, you know, with the roster that there's obviously still a lot of work to do. This doesn't suddenly mean that the Sixers are going to be, you know, top competitors next season for the finals and that sort of thing. They've got a lot of moves they need to make. Um, to fix the roster, but I do think this should sort of start getting them in the right direction. Well, let's talk about some of those moves because I think the spotlight has been shined on the Simmons Embiid pairing a little bit too much here and whether or not this is the end of the pairing and if Simmons is a good fit for what Maury wants to do, Maury coaching big guys, and obviously he's he was the GM with Yao for a little bit and um, he did pay Clint Capella he like it the idea that he just is anti big is silly he is just very pro superstar player and there are only a handful of superstar max contract worthy bigs in today's nba like it's Jokic, it's davis it's joel and the list gets very small after that and um if he doesn't have that guy then he is going to build around other wings and also he's just a superstar first guy which is a good thing to be but i think where dale Morey will be tasked with just a far more interesting dilemma is the fact that joel Embiid and ben simmons are not the two highest paid players on this roster and i would love to just have him i, I would have loved to have been in the meeting when he first talked to elton and josh Harris, where he's like okay so i'm looking at y'all's cap sheet I'm going to need someone in this room to explain to me how your two best players by a significant margin are not making more money than Tobias Harris and Al Horford. (laughs) And am I reading this right? Does it say nine years combined for these two players? Like how did this happen? What am I supposed to do with this? Why? Like that is what is interesting to me is if he can move one of those two guys because i don't think he's going to be able to move both at least not anytime soon but is he able to move one of those two guys for something interesting is he able to fix the roster around simmons and Embiid and really balance it out where 
those guys are the two highest paid players on this roster and you have just you get rid of the albatross contracts like i i'm very curious to see what he does there i'm not at all interested in the simmons and beat stuff maybe this is too granular um into just uh basketball nerdy but like that is that is where i'm more intrigued is is that where you're intrigued when it comes to maury yeah i'm pr- i'm pretty much you know following the same line of thought i don't think I'd be, I mean, I'd be very surprised if he looked to trade Simmons or Embiid. Like you said, he's focused on getting stars. He has two great young stars who can be very successful together. It's the pieces around them that has been the problem for the Sixers. I think, yeah, what trades he has in mind to move either Horford or Harris are the main things. I'd be very surprised. I mean, I'd be more surprised at least if he was able to trade Harris. I think his contract is arguably the worst in the league, just given the years left and the price. I think Horford's definitely the more movable piece. He's still incredibly overpaid, but his contract does go down slightly. He's only got three years left, whereas Harris has got the four years. It's you know much lower in the final year. I think Horford's around the 26 million range in the final year of his deal, whereas Harris is around 40 million. So there's a huge difference there. And I do think other teams around the league know and can convince themselves that Horford is a better player than he was with Philly. The fit is just terrible. Um, with Horford alongside Embiid and Simmons. Um, so I think, yeah, I, I'd expect trading Horford to probably be the priority for Maury. At least that's what I'd do. And I'd have thought that's probably what he's looking into most, partly because it will be easier. It's just what assets he has to attach to Horford to make that happen. Because um, he's obviously a massive negative still with his contract. Um, so it's whether he looks at attaching Josh Richardson, uh, Matisse Thibel, maybe Shake Milton, and... You know, it'll be interesting to see how creative he gets with trading some of their draft picks because they have quite a lot at their disposal this year. You know, they've got five picks, they've got the 21st pick, and then they've got the 34th and 36th as their sort of valuable second rounders. So he does have some chips to, you know, play with, not loads, but he does have a few things that he can add to Horford to try and make something happen. I'd expect to maybe bring in another ball handler, seeing as that's the biggest need. But yeah, I think that's the most interesting thing to follow with Maury getting, you know, into control and, you know, seeing what he has in store. I think the Spurs is who Maury looks to work with. Um, I think DeRozan having 27 million still, and he'll probably opt in to his player option. Um, I, when you mentioned ball handlers and what they need, like the, the Jimmy Butler types and guess, guess who also doesn't like taking three pointers and likes closing games with uh, mid range jumpers. It's DeMar DeRozan. DeMar DeRozan <laughs> is uh, not Jimmy Butler, and I'm not suggesting that in the slightest. But would it surprise me at all if Maury took in two years of DeRozan to get off either Horford or Harris? Like, I could see Pop loving Al Horford. We we know how much he loves Jakob Pertl. We know how much he loves Marcus Aldridge. Aldridge, probably gone in a year or two. He, he could also leave. He also could get traded. I don't think the Sixers and Maury wants to do... Like even though the years are significantly different with Aldridge and Horford, I don't think Aldridge makes a lot of sense. Um, even with um, Joel, I just think he's a five now. Um, I do think the the Spurs would love to have Horford be their five for the next couple of years. I would not be surprised, uh, even with that contract. He seems like someone that the Spurs would very much value having around. So would you do DeRozan for Horford? I wouldn't. I mean, I think I agree with you in that Horford does seem quite like quite a Spursy player. 
Um, but I, I, yeah, I don't like the DeRozan fit for Philly just because. What if it includes it's just, it's just White? The, it's just the shooting. I mean, Derek White would be a more favorable piece, I think, to go after than DeRozan for them. Obviously, the it's the salary issue. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just the, it's just the lack of shooting with Simmons and Embiid again. That's the that's the issue you get into. Like they really need more than anything. They just need a ball handler who can provide, you know, good playmaking, good three point shooting provide a pull-up shooting threat, which they haven't really had, you know, last season, it's, you know, outside of sort of Shake Milton and a little bit of Alec Burks. And, you know, DeRozan doesn't give them that. Obviously, he has the mid-range attack, the isolation scoring, which is useful, but it's the lack of shooting, which would, you know, really make that fit tough. I think, you know, someone like Drew Holiday uh, is obviously interesting to think about. There are some other deals. I think, you know, Chris Paul <laughs> is someone that, a lot of Sixers fans would like to see brought to Philly. And I think he's, you know, a really interesting target for them. I definitely think he's someone they should look at. Um, it's more like that kind of player. I think that they need rather than just the sort of ISO scorer. If he can't provide more playmaking and three point shooting. Yeah. And when you look around the league, there's just not a lot of obvious fits. So I don't know. I think this is going to be a, a tough job and I don't think this is an easy fix for Maury. And I'm just, extremely interested to see what he does first and how he approaches the draft, how he approaches um, the two onerous contracts, what he does with um, Josh Richardson, guys like that. Um, Do you think with this new group that they are going to look to slide Simmons down to the floor full-time? I mean, I definitely think... I mean, that's what we saw in the bubble. That's what Brett Brown moved towards. And it's definitely where Simmons is best. That's what works best. I think, you know, if we are looking at the roster as is right now, you know, let's say Horford moves to the bench. Yeah, I think Simmons goes to four. You keep Shake Milton in the starting lineup. I think that's the better way to go. Um, Just to bring in another ball handler next to Simmons, you can get him, you know, working a bit more as a role man, as a screener. Um, You add a little more shooting. That's definitely... That's definitely the better option. And I, I think, you know, if Horford is probably the most likely big piece to get dealt, at least if you're looking at Maury trying to trade either Horford or Harris, that does, you know, that clears out the centre issue of having two bigs at once with their front court. If you're trying to force Horford and Embiid together, makes it much easier for Simmons to fit in at the four. Obviously, it's still not ideal. Like Harris is best at a four. That's just the issue with their roster. But yeah, Simmons, Simmons moving to the four doing a little bit more from the elbows. I wrote a piece recently about how I think Doc can probably use him in some similar ways to Blake Griffin, just as kind of mm. an elbow attacker, screener and roller, short roll passer, lots of dribble handoffs, that kind of thing. That's definitely the best way to use him. So I'd, yeah, I'd expect them to sort of go that route. It's just what pieces and what ball handlers they add next to him to sort of try and get the, uh, the offense going a little bit more. Would you do Chris Paul for Harris and Chick Milton? Oh, I mean, yeah, easily. Like that's okay. a yeah, no brainer for sure. Um, yeah, if they can that's get Chris my favorite Paul, option for the Sixers, if they could, yeah, I think Chris Paul is the favorite target. I think if they can do that, obviously his salary is huge, but it's only a couple of years left. You know, if he does have some injury issues or he does eventually drop off a little bit, you know, you can take. It's easy to take the hit when he's only got two years left on his deal. But I mean, he was a deserving All NBA player this year. He's got the pull-up shooting, obviously an incredible playmaker. He was incredibly efficient um, this season as a scorer. 
really good in the clutch. He's kind of perfect for them. Obviously, you've got other guys like I mentioned, Drew Holiday. I think Spencer Dinwiddie is an interesting option if you can't get someone like Chris Paul just to provide a bit more creation, some more playmaking. He can get to the rim. He can get to the free throw line quite quite a high rate. Um, so someone like that is, yeah, is ideal, really. Hmm. I don't know if Dinwiddie, like, isn't he super close with it, Kevin Durant and Kyrie? Isn't that part of the reason that he they got them? It seems like he's probably off limits, right? I, I'm not sh- I'm not sure too much what Dinwiddie's relationship was like with them. I mean, I know they're obviously big. Uh, Kyrie and Durant are obviously big DeAndre Jordan guys. I know they're close, and that's part of the reason he's on the team. Not as sure about Dinwiddie's relationship, but I definitely think, you know, even if the Nets look us, you know, look past that. I definitely think Dinwiddie should be, you know, a tradable asset um, just because they have obviously Karis LeVert as well. They've got Kyrie. They have plenty of ball handling. I think one popular suggestion, you know, from a Sixers side of things is whether they, you know, could trade Josh Richardson and maybe a little bit of filler for Spencer Dinwiddie just so the Nets have a bit more, you know, sort of strengthen their defense a little bit, give them more point of attack defense. Um you know, to sort of give them a, a more complimentary piece who doesn't need the ball as much, um, you know, if you've got Kyrie and Durant coming back. So that's, yeah, I, I don't know if the Nets would do it, but I think that's something to consider at least. Yeah. Um, what do you think this says about Houston going forward, that um, he didn't take a break, that he was targeted by Philly right away, that he talked to Philly, he was open to staying in the NBA right away. What do you think this this says about Houston's future? Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, I think it's obviously Rockets fans will be disappointed. Um, you know, I don't know where they're going to go next after this. It's obviously a big loss. Like he's done so much for their team to consistently keep them as a contender. Um, you know, he's built so many different styles of teams, you know, with different stars, like obviously Dwight Howard a while ago, then Harden focused, obviously Clint Capella, then bringing in Chris Paul, then Russell Westbrook. The team's changed so much and he's always kept them competing at a high level and then obviously super small ball this year as well um yeah i think it's obviously a tough blow for them um they took a long time to get their head coach as well um so things have seemed a little bit uncertain there so yeah i'd expect if i'm a rockets fan i'm a little less uh, excited about the future but yeah we'll see what happens it's, de- it's definitely a, a pretty big loss for them though can I read what Raphael Stone's uh, bio is in uh, the Sports Analytic Conference, the Sloan Conference? Yeah. <laughs> he is the general counsel, this is before obviously he got elevated, of the Houston Rockets and the Toyota Center. He is responsible for all legal matters concerning business, building, and team operations. His major areas of focus include legal matters for Toyota Center television and radio agreements, community relations sponsorship agreements, intellectual property matters, human resource matters, risk management, and compliance with league rules. Um, I, I don't... I, I, if I'm a Rockets fan, I'm, I'm rather concerned. I, I'm a little, little, little concerned. Not a lot of basketball experience there. This is a lot of like, do we hire the PR guy as our, <laughs> the guy now running our uh our company like are we now just a full-on let's just make sure we make money at the toyota center is that just what we're doing um 
I kind of feel bad for Steven Silas, who finally got another shot and by all accounts was integral into making the Dallas Mavericks the number one offense in the NBA last year. Um, happy for him to get this shot in Houston, but um, I don't know. This seems this seems bad, and I think them just promoting Raphael Stone and Maury just immediately taking another job uh, tells me that um, – Things are about to get really bad in Houston. Uh, I'm sorry, Rockets fans. I don't want this to happen, but I do think we're going to see, like what we saw this year was it. I think that was the best we'll see in Houston going forward. I think uh, this is the end, which part of me feels bad. The other part of me is like, I am way too intrigued by what Harden would get on the market and where you could put Harden now. And like, we're like where the best fit is like somebody like that. And just what other stars would actually want to play with James Harden at this point. Like I, I I'm just fascinated by all of it. Yeah. I mean, the Rockets are an interesting team and as long as they have James Harden, like they're going to be relevant. Um, I don't know yet how, much thought they'd put into you know thinking about trading for him i just saw before we started this like a quick report saying that the rockers would not have any interest in a james harden for ben simmons trade um i know that's something that some people have thrown around you know as an idea um yeah i don't know what's next for them like you said i agree i I like silas for them as a coach um it's not like you know that their team is falling apart or anything but i think yeah maury's obviously dealing his you know work from a front office and from a basketball standpoint is what makes him so you know so valuable and I think that's what the Sixers you know can be excited about is that I think his vision for them as a basketball team rather than strictly just you know dealing assets behind the scenes is what makes him an interesting hire so yeah I don't know what's next for the Rockets but I mean if James Harden did get dealt that would be a a huge deal for the league but yeah, I mean, some people have talked about whether he'd get dealt to the Sixers. I, I doubt that's going to happen, but it's interesting to see, you know, what happens next if he, if that is a possibility. Maybe I don't know. I don't know either, but I am intrigued by it. Um, well, this has been very informative, Tom. I appreciate uh, the time as always, sir. Uh, is there anything you would like to plug before we got out of here today? Uh, no, I don't think so. Just, you know, you can read me, uh, read all my work at libertyballers.com. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at TomWestMBA. And uh, yeah, should have some more content coming soon. You know, it's going to be a busy month in November with the draft and free agency starting soon after by the sounds of it. So yeah, should have uh, some more Sixers stuff coming soon. Yeah, well, go do that. Go keep up with Tom's great work. Um, keep up, said great work, sir. And we will talk again soon. Thank you. Appreciate you having me back on. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.